0: Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series How to Pray Like the Apostles Prayed. This is lesson number five, and uh, every one of these lessons is important, but uh, the message of this lesson is extremely important to those who want to walk with God, who want to walk in His Spirit, and who want to be effective prayers. Uh, We're reading from uh, the instruction of Paul. Uh, And the title of this lesson is, Our Infirmity Regarding Prayer. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Now, notice carefully, he did not say, in the past, we didn't know what to pray for. He, Paul himself, included in the we, is saying in the present tense, we have an infirmity, and the Spirit is there to help us with our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Thayer says the, the word translated as we ought means it is necessary. There, there is need of, it behooves, it is right and proper. So we don't know what we should and need to be praying for. Now, the fact that we know our own needs doesn't mean that's what we're supposed to be praying for because Matthew chapter 6 In that entire chapter, Jesus is very specific. We're not supposed to pray for our natural needs. He already knows what our natural needs are. We're not supposed to focus on us and our natural needs. We're supposed to focus on the kingdom of God. So Paul says, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Many people don't pray primarily because they don't know how to pray. It is the infirmity common to all human beings. But here's something that needs to be understood. We will never learn how to pray. We will never learn what to pray. We can learn how to pray. Learned prayer, in other words, the what to pray, is not prayer at all. It's No, no matter how well we learn to pray religious prayers, our religious prayers will never be acceptable to God. Never. Why? Because we're not praying for those things that he wants us to pray for the way that he wants us to pray for them. And according to Paul, we can't. Why? Because we have an infirmity. And the infirmity is, is common to all of us. And that is, we don't know how to pray because we don't know what to pray for. We don't know what to pray that will please God. What is the what that we don't know how to pray? We don't know how to pray the will of God. We don't know what the will of God is. Anybody that says they know the will of God for them every moment of every day without prayer, without being submitted to the word of God and the spirit of God, they're deceived. They're deceived. God's will is not my will. It's not my will. My will needs to become his will. Whatever his will is needs to become my will. So the one thing we don't know, is we don't always know the will of God. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit and he makes intercession for us according to the will of God. According to what the will of God is. Or the Greek is literally according to God. According to his plan, his purpose, his will. It is not enough to pray just pray I got a prayer time and I pray the content and intent of our prayers are at least as as important to God as the fact that we're praying people pray all of this world they call it prayer is is the fact they're praying to a different God than us make our religious Christian prayers more acceptable to God? Some may protest, but I'm sorry, biblically, it doesn't matter to God what religion you call yourself if you're praying to a God other than him and you're praying prayers other than his perfect will. He doesn't hear. Psalm says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And as we've taught before, we'll be teaching again. Iniquity is doing my will rather than God's will. The technical term is lawlessness. But what is lawlessness? I'm not doing it your way, God. I'm not doing it your way. I'm not doing what you want, not doing when you want it, not doing how you want it. I may do something that appears to be similar to what you want, but it's going to be done my way. That's iniquity. It's lawlessness. It's refusing to be under God's control, refusing to be under God's submission. And the word of God says, if I regard iniquity, my will as being more important than his will in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So there's this and many, many other verses that prove the statements I've been making these last few moments. They prove those statements. It is not prayer that he accepts if it is not accomplishing the purpose for which, he, for which he intended prayer. If we are not praying the things that God intends for us to pray, then we are not praying. We're not praying. Let's examine the word of God so that we can find the answer to our need. The scripture says, again, likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, Romans 8, 26. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He doesn't pray in our stead where we don't pray. He does. He prays. Through us. Let's consider. Uh, just a couple of. Different words used in these verses. So we can get a better idea. The word infirmity means. Uh, general impotence or weakness. According to complete word study dictionary. we word study says. The weaknesses spoken of here are two. What we should pray for. The matter of prayer. And how we should pray the form and manner of our prayer. We don't know either one of those. So. we The Spirit itself helps our infirmities by Him empowering, directing, and flowing through us in prayer. That's the goal. We are conduits for the will of God, for the kingdom of God, for the name of Jesus. That's God's purpose for us, to be His conduits of His kingdom in the earth. And our prayers should be kingdom prayer our prayer should uh, release the kingdom and empower uh, be be empowered through and for the kingdom and should confirm the word of god that's what it should happen literally we do not know what to pray for this is what we word studies again that is we do not know the particular definite thing to pray for To be specific in our praying involves a knowledge of God's will in particular instances, and of that we are naturally ignorant. It is right here that the Spirit comes to our aid. All of that is from Mr. Weiss' word studies. I'll read that last part again from him. But to be specific in our praying involves a knowledge of God's will in particular instances, and of that we are naturally ignorant. It is right here that the Spirit comes to our aid. We absolutely do not know what to pray for. When Paul said, we, 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 the Spirit helps our infirmities because we don't know, we know not what we should pray for as we ought. The Greek word there for not, there's a couple of different Greek words that are used as uh, the negative. But this Greek word, according to Strong's, is the absolute Negative. That's the way strong defines this word. So Paul said, we absolutely don't know what to pray for or how to pray for it. So the only way that we can pray these prayers is to pray like the apostles prayed. They let the spirit of God, they yielded to the spirit of God. They were dead to self, crucified with Christ and let the spirit of God pray through them for his purposes for His kingdom, for His name's sake, and for His will to prevail in the earth, the word uh, that is translated no not," we know not what to pray for as we ought. The Greek word translated as "there," according to Strong's, means precisely as we're not. We're, we're, our ignorance doesn't mean that we go to prayer and just hunt and peck around like some chicken in a barnyard trying to find a little bit of food, a little bit of direction, a little bit of substance. No. It is the will of God for you and I to become conduits of the Spirit of God to pray through us in prayer. There is no other way to obey the Word of God. It says pray without ceasing. No other way. Can't be done. Because the Spirit is able to pray through me Both, if I am connected to the Lord Jesus Christ every morning, and, and I am submitted to His will and purpose every day, then the Spirit of the Lord can pray through me, both consciously and subconsciously, all day long, every day, if I'm in tune with Him. Paul said in Galatians chapter five, if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Well, let's see the converse of that. If we're going to walk in the Spirit, we have to live in the spirit. I can't live a double-minded life. And the Greek word there in James chapter 1 for double-minded is two-spirited. And I can't live in a two-spirited world. I can't live in a two-will world. I can't say, okay, God, I'll do your will for this period of time. But here's what I want to do over here. And I want to do this my way, whatever. That is unstable. It's spiritually immature. I don't care if a person has been a Christian for 60 years, if they're still living a two-world lifestyle, carnal mind and spiritual mind. My will, God's will. It doesn't matter. If it, Whatever you call it, it's unstable. Job said this, "'Teach us what we shall say unto him, for we cannot order our speech by reason of darkness.'" The Amplified reads this way, Tell us, Job, with what words of man may we may express such a being? We cannot state our case because we're in the dark in the presence of the unsearchable God. That was the Amplified Classic Edition. The Amplified 2015 version says, Tell us, Job, what, Job, what words of man shall we say to such a being? We cannot state our case because of darkness, that is, our ignorance in the presence of the unsearchable God. What prophet said, when you come to God, bring with you words. <laughs> well, whatever words we bring, we run out of them pretty quickly. So what do we revert to? We revert to vain repetition, where we're just repeating praise phrases over and over and over again, and our mind very quickly is no longer involved. And probably our hearts really aren't involved either. The Lord says not to use vain repetition. Now, vain repetition is not saying unfalse things. It's just repeating those things vainly over and over again and calling it prayer. That is contrary to the scripture. I don't care what our culture is. I don't care who you heard or I heard pray like that all of my life and you all of your life or all of your time in the church. It's vain repetition. And we do that because we run out of things to say. Because we have not learned how. And have not submitted ourselves to the Spirit. So the Spirit can pray with us and through us. Proverbs 20, 24 says, Man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own way? Proverbs 27, and 1 says, Most not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. So how can I ask God to do this, that, and the other tomorrow when I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow? What I need to do is submit to the will of God, to cast all my cares as both James and Peter very specifically instructed us to do. Casting means to release it. Not try to direct God in it, but say, here's a care. This matters to me. I give it to you. Jeremiah 10 23 says, Oh Lord, I know what the way of man is not in himself. I know, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Now, humanity bows up at that one. I, I can't, I can't determine my own life. I can't make my own choices. Oh, you can make your own choices. Not a, that's not, not a problem. Every one of us can make our own choices. We just have this slight little problem of making our choices happen the way we want them to. How's that working out for you? And it worked out very good for me in my life. No. So, yeah, I don't have to let God. I don't, I don't have to surrender my will and my choices to the will of God and his choice. I don't have to do that. But if I do, he's able and the only one that's able to make his will and his choices come to pass I can make my own choices all I want, but I can't make them happen. And Jeremiah said it. He said it really well. Oh, Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. We have an infirmity. We know not what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself helpeth thy infirmities. The Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ is moved By us feeling our infirmities. Humility. True biblical humility is coming to the end of myself. Acknowledging, I can't do this. I don't have the human ability to do this. No matter how hard I've tried, no matter how much I've prayed my religious prayers, I can't get this right. The Apostle Paul said that very specifically in Romans chapter 7. What I want to do, I don't do it. And what I don't want to do, I do that. The will is present with me, but how to find out how to do what I will? I, I don't, I haven't been able to find it out. So he prayed, Oh wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank my God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. And how does he deliver me from the body of this death? I surrender my will to him and he works through me. Hebrews chapter four, verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Here it is. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, if the invitation is for every spirit-filled, Holy Ghost believer, disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, saint of God, man and woman of God, to come boldly before the throne of grace or unto the throne of grace, then is it prayer if we have it come before the throne? So many people want God to show up where they are. But in the spirit, we are called to come before the throne. The scripture says that our high priest is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. When I finally allow the Holy Ghost to bring me to the end of myself where I say, I can't do this myself because Jesus said, John 15, 5, without me, ye can do nothing. When I finally get to that place, finally, I am feeling my infirmities. Father, I, you want me to pray? I want to pray. I don't know how to pray. And today's prayers are different than yesterday's prayers. Yesterday's methods, the way the Lord had you pray yesterday, can't be copied today because that worked yesterday. Otherwise, you're not being led of the Spirit. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. God, If God's not if tells us not to be in a vain repetition, then He is not going to do vain repetition. And a lot of people. Or to the Holy Ghost and find a way on a particular day that worked. And then they repeat the same thing tomorrow, expecting it to work because the method worked. You know, the reason it worked yesterday, or the reason it works today, is because I was submitted to God and led of the Spirit to pray like that yesterday, today. But that doesn't mean today is the same as yesterday. Or tomorrow will be the same as today. That is not the will of God. You won't see Jesus repeating exactly the way he prayed. And he prayed all kind of different places. He prayed in the temple. He prayed on uh, by rocks. He prayed in people's houses. He prayed on a boat in the middle of a storm. He prayed all kind of different places. He prayed in a garden. <coughs> he prayed a lot of different places. He prayed walking, he prayed laying upon his bed, he prayed standing, he prayed sitting. There is no particular specific uh, position of the body in prayer in the Bible. Any position the body can get in, that's a position you can pray in. So we come to the end of ourselves. We don't know what we should pray for as we ought. But our high priest is touched, moved by the feelings of our infirmities. The word touch means to be affected with the same feeling as another, to feel for it, have compassion of own. Our God robed himself in flesh and lived in that flesh so that we can't say to him, well, you're God. You don't know what we're going through. Uh, here, let me tell you what. There is no human being that's going through more difficult in trying things than he went through from the day he was born till the day he died. He was barely born and they were trying to kill him. And they tried to kill him his whole life all the way up until when they seemingly accomplished that in God's time and according to God's plan. According to the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, they slew Christ only with permission, not with approval, but with permission, they slew Christ. The scripture says he is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And and uh, Vine says concerning that word feel uh, or touch with feelings, to have a fellow feeling for or with. Uh, under the the word compassion vines translates that same word to suffer with another to be afflicted similarly and this is the word the Greek word from which we actually get the the uh, English word sympathy so sympathy is not oh, I feel bad for you, do you feel bad for them then you don't have sympathy if you don't and he does the scripture says. In I Isaiah fifty three and four, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, to his own will. And the Lord hath laid on him the punishment for the iniquity of us all, for the self-will of us all, refusing to do the will of God. Yes. Yeah. In Isaiah 63 and 9, In all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and his pity he redeemed them, and he bare them and carried them all the days of old. That's what he wants to do for us in everything. But since prayer is the most significant thing that any believer can do, it's the most significant ministry that any believer can do. Oh no, preaching the word's more significant, really? The letter killeth, the spirit giveth life. So prayer is more important than preaching the word, because if I preach the word without prayer, I'm killing. I'm not making it alive. If I'm trusting in my own human intellect and my own human ability and my own gift of gab and my own oratory to speak the word, I'm killing people. The Bible says eloquence nullifies the cross. Colossians or, or 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2. It nullifies the cross. So where does this start? I prayed with people, sound like they were trying to be, they sound like they were in the pulpit when they were praying and we're in a group prayer. And they also sound, some of them sound like Shakespearean actors on the stage when they pray. Oh, thou, Father. What? We thank thee. Why would I talk to God different than I, I talk to my wife? That's that's our, That's our religious pompousness. Do we think God's listening to that? No. People don't pray like that so God will listen. People pray like that so people will listen. There's no spirit involved in that. Because every day I get up, I know. I don't know how to pray today, and I don't know what to pray today. So the only thing I can do today is trust the spirit that searches the hearts, that knows the mind of of, of God, that he would pray through me today, according to God, according to the will of God. He will give me what I need to pray, either in tongues or in English, which is the language of my mind. Throughout the day, whatever I need to pray. I've had periods of times where i prayed in tongues and hardly ever said a word of English. Didn't know what I was praying for. But I knew I was praying. The flow of the Holy Ghost was there. I knew God was speaking. He was ministering. And I was his conduit. That's all I was was the conduit. That's all I need to be is the conduit. And then somebody would call and say, I've got such and such going on in my life. Would you pray? And the Holy Ghost said, you've already prayed. And so I say to them exactly what he says to me. I've already prayed. Well, you didn't know you were praying for them. It doesn't matter whether I know it or whether God knows it. Does it matter? So the Lord is moved by the feeling of our infirmities. So what's he moved to do? To help. The word help means to lend a hand together with, at the same time with one. According to Robertson, Strong says, to take hold of the opposite together, to cooperate, to assist. Kind of like uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, uh come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and i'll give you rest take my yoke upon you get in the in my yoke with me and learn of me for i am meek and lowly in heart and you sh- you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden light prayer is a joy all day long if i'm not under pressure to pray i got to pray today because if i don't pray today i have said Uh, I gotta pray today because it's my religious responsibility today. I got, I got to pray today. Not because I need to pray, because I've got to pray or I have violated some rule. That's like me saying to my wife, uh, I gotta talk to you today so I can prove I'm married. Here, come here, let me give you a kiss so I can prove I'm married because I don't kiss any other woman. So therefore, I'm proving I'm married by kissing you. Oh, that's really gonna make her happy. Yeah. Or something I was given and wrote on Facebook the other day. Uh, Some people have prayer time. They must also have wife time. Because they're the same exact principle. If I'm not going to have wife time, because I'm hers 24-7, then I can't have a prayer time. Because if i got a prayer time, it becomes a task I can accomplish. You know what prayer time is? From the time you wake up till the time you go unconscious and sleep. And then, even then, if you have been in the spirit of prayer all day, your spirit is going to be praying even while you rest because you're yielded to him. We says the word help that there is this. It means it's made up of two words, son, together with, uh, and anti, over against, excuse me, of three words, together with, over against, and to take. The word speaks of the action of a person coming to another's aid and... of uh, a. Uh, uh, Aid by taking hold over against that person of the load he is carrying. The the person helping does not take the entire load, but helps the other person in his endeavor. God's not going to pray so I don't have to. No, no. Well, the Lord helps her in purpose. He prays. No, he doesn't pray instead of you. He prays through you. And if I don't yield myself to that prayer, then he can't pray. He can't pray. If I don't yield myself to prayer, he can't pray. But if I become his conduit and yielded conduit, then he can pray through me. Whatever he wants to pray for in this earth, he can pray through that that through me. And that's one of the good reasons we'll talk about more in later lessons, why we need to pray in tongues, not just in our the language of our mind. Because when I'm praying in tongues, I'm praying with his faith. And I don't have to know what I'm praying about. And it may be something if I was trying to pray for it in in, in English, I wouldn't be able to pray for it because I wouldn't have the faith for it. But by simply letting him pray, he's not only praying for what he wants to pray for, But he's praying with his own faith. I'm a conduit, and it works. What is his offer to help? To make intercession for us according to the will of God. The word intercession here is the verb that signifies to fall in with a person, to draw near so as to converse familiarly. Uh, In Romans 8, 26, according to Vincent's uh, word studies, uh, it it is not that, that the Spirit pleads in our behalf, but that he throws himself into our case and takes part of it. So the intercession is not something God will do separate apart from me. The, the, you know, there's a lot of people trying to explain how the son is in heaven, making intercession, always making intercession for us. Well, that's not the, the body of Christ. The body of the sons of God, the body of Christ has his, the spirit of Christ in us. And he ever liveth to make an intercession for us according to the will of God. The son is not standing before the father in heaven. The son is sitting on the throne in heaven. So how does the spirit ever live to make intercession for us? He does that through those who submit themselves to him. We says, the lesson of these verses for us here is that if we expect to have an intelligent, powerful, rich prayer life, we must live spirit-controlled lives. Those, that's not my words. And that's, Mr. Weiss, the way I understand it, was not a person who spoke in tongues. And yet he says, being objectively honest as an, uh, 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 from his giving in the interpretation of this this uh, verse, he says, this lesson of the, the lesson of these verses for us here is that we expect to have an intelligent, powerful, rich prayer life. We must live spirit control lives. That's his words, not mine, but I agree with him one hundred percent. Romans eight twenty-seven says, according to Wees, uh, he's quoting Alfred's uh, Alfred's commentary. He who searches the hearts, God knoweth what is the mind, intent, or bent, or hidden, or uh, hidden in those sighs of the spirit the Holy Spirit praying according to the plan of God for our lives, according to the plan of God, according to the will of God. Brother Jack Cunningham said from the stage of the Youth Congress in 2019, that when you're praying in tongues, at no time are you more perfectly praying the will of God. I believe that 100 and 50%, 50%, is there such a thing? I, don't, I believe that there's no time that I am praying any more perfectly in the will of God than when I'm letting the Spirit pray through me. Well, you don't know what you're praying. Is it more important that I know what I'm praying so I can control what I'm praying or that he's able to pray? By helping us to put into words what we feel in our spirits so that those things can be prayed for, According to the will of God, the Spirit is helping us pray. By helping us, the Spirit is helping us by putting into words what we feel in our spirit so that those things can be prayed for according to the will of God. Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 26 from the Bible to make it basic English. In the same way, the Spirit is a help to our feeble hearts, for we are not able to make prayer to God in the right way. But the Spirit puts our desires into words which which are not in our power to say. That is the closest to the Greek of any translation that I've read. It's not talking about groanings and sighs per se, even though God does hear groanings that have no audible language to them. He does hear our sighs. I mean, it's amazing to think that is a prayer God listens to. But this verse goes way beyond that. It's not talking about the Spirit groaning through us, even though sometimes the Spirit does in intercession and in travail. But it's talking about the Spirit taking those things that He is dealing with us in our spirits that our mind doesn't understand or is aware of, doesn't know what the Spirit's dealing with our spirits or our hearts with, and then the Spirit enables us to speak those things. We can learn to consistently yield to the spirit of prayer, but we can never learn how to pray. True prayer will always be a cooperative effort between the Holy Spirit and our spirit. True prayer will always be biblical prayer, prayer that God accepts, prayer that's prayed like the apostles prayed, will always be a cooperative effort between the Holy Spirit and our spirit with the Holy Spirit having the preeminence in that uh, coupling, that yoking together. If we are to participate with our Father in prayer, we must learn to always allow him to flow through us as conduits of his kingdom and his will. Always. The scripture says, and I'm summarizing this lesson, we are empowered to pray by means of the spirit interceding, stepping in for us and enabling us to put what we, what we feel are feeling in our hearts and spirits into supernatural words, which we utter by the flowing of the Holy Ghost through us. On occasion, these can be anointed words from our minds, but most frequently they will be words prayed in other tongues. Ephesians 6 and 8 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Jude one twenty beloved, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Jesus said it, John 5.30, I can of, my own, can of my own self do nothing as I hear I judge and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own, Will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. This uh, lesson is going longer than I try to go in these lessons. Uh, but before I can close out this lesson, the Holy Ghost is calling you to give me, give you my personal testimony, one of my many personal testimonies, and one of the most dramatic testimonies for me personally of this exact point. My youngest son, who's now 39, was just nine months old and, uh, he was a big boy. He was born 10 pounds, one ounce, and hadn't slowed down since. And, uh, he at nine months, he looked like he was about two. He weighed like he was about two. And, uh, I had been out doing some things that day and way back then, which would have been, uh, 81. Uh, I was, uh, I guess it actually would have been, uh, early 80. Uh, I was out and, uh, I mean, early 81. I was, I'd been out doing some things and I came home and there were, we didn't have cell phones back then. We didn't have email and text messages. And so I got home and my wife wasn't home. And both he, uh, both, uh, her and my oldest son who was, uh, almost, uh, well, about nine and a half at the time, and my youngest son were all gone. And normally, if my wife has to go out and, and it was something unplanned, she would leave me a message. But there was nothing. I walked through the house looking for him, and I walked up to our bedroom. We had, we had a little built-in desk in that room, and uh, I noticed that her desk, which is always so meticulous, there was a cup of coffee that it had been spilled. It was laying on the on her blotter, and the blotter was soaked and and it wasn't cleaned up, and and that was very unusual. But I was so focused on other things that really didn't register in my mind. What I thought was, I had some things that were weighing heavy on my heart, and I needed to pray. And so uh, I went downstairs in our family room and started walking and praying. And I was praying in tongues, and my mind my mind was focused on the Lord. And there were some things I was presenting to Him while my spirit prayed in tongues. And so all of this was going on, and then all of a sudden I came to myself and um i was praying in very heavy tongues very focused very intense tongues i uh, i it would be a few years before i realized i was really praying intercessory prayer it was very strong and when i realized what was coming out of my mouth because my mind had been focused on god but I wasn't thinking about what I could be praying for. The Spirit's praying what's in my spirit, and I'm praying whatever He's allowing to come into my mind, and doing it at the same time. Uh, but when I realized, or He caused me to be aware that He was praying through me very heavily, He said to me, "I'm praying for something important. Let me pray." Well, He had me my attention now, and my I, my mind wasn't blank. But it was just listening and focused, and I was praying, and it was very heavy. This went on for probably about another 15 minutes, and all of a sudden it lifted. The Lord said, everything's going to be all right. (laughs) I kind of chuckled and said, okay, I believe you. Everything's going to be all right, but everything what? I have no clue what everything is. I hardly had gotten those words out of my mouth till the phone in the house rang. And I went to the phone. And answered it. And, uh, oh, the other end of the line was a person. I, I didn't know who it was. I couldn't understand what they were saying. They were obviously very distraught. And they were so emotional that the words coming out of their mouths didn't make sense to me. And all of a sudden, I recognized the voice. It was my wife. And I said, Alice, Alice, what's wrong? I can't understand you. She took a moment, collected herself, and said, we're at the emergency room. Joel's been burned uh severely and uh the doctors are saying it's going to be second and third degree it's second third degree burns so he's going to have to have skin grafts and the holy ghost spoke to me right then said that's what you were praying for and i said everything's going to be all right and i told her very briefly she was so distraught i told her very briefly i said it's going to be okay just come on home because they were about to leave they were wrapping up treating him And so a little while later, they come in the house, and there he is. He had a big bandage on this arm, and from the middle of the thigh of the left leg all the way down, uh, covering that leg and the foot, it was all bandaged up. But he wasn't crying at all. And he wanted to get down. She put him down, and uh, he had one of those little squeeze toy bats, baseball bats, And he's sitting there, and he's beating himself on the leg with it. And she goes, oh, oh, he's hurting him. I said, Alice, trust me, if he was hurting himself, he'd stop. So that was the first clue something was a little different here. He had not yet started crawling. Why? He he was getting carried around. Why should he crawl? Well, the next day, he started crawling on that leg. She says, oh, he's going to hurt. I said, if that's hurting him, he'll stop. He didn't cry at all that whole time. Well, the uh, this was on a Thursday. We went to church that night. And I told the church what happened. And I said, we're not going to ask God to heal him because the Lord's already said he healed him. Well, she told me that his... Burns were so bad that if he'd have been older, they would have kept him in the hospital to try to prevent infection. But because he was so young, they thought it would be better for him if he was home in a familiar environment and not be so distraught. So, uh, but they, they made her swear that they wouldn't, she wouldn't allow the bandages to get wet at all. And that they would, she would bring him to the doctor's office the next day, which would be Friday and have the bandages changed. So again, I never heard the child cry one time. He didn't cry one time. It's severe burns. I, you would have thought he would have been in severe pain, but he didn't cry one time from the time she brought him in the house till the next day. We took him into the doctor's office, and as soon as that nine-month-old recognized where he was because he saw the guy with the white coat on, he went bananas. Well, she's so distraught, she won't go back to the treatment room with me. She said, I had to do it yesterday. It's your turn today. So I went in there with the baby. And the doctor took him and set him on the on the treatment table. And and the child's looking up up, up at me like, what are you letting him do this to me for? And he's screaming his head off. And the doctor took the bandages off so he could change them. And uh, I was not prepared for what I saw. I wasn't prepared for it. I mean, I had that prayer the day before, and God said everything's going to be all right, and I'm believing God, and I wasn't prepared for this. This arm looked like it had been flayed. It was a kind of an oval shape, almost like a football, on his arm, and it was completely raw. And the left knee was completely raw. And between the bottom of the knee and the top of the ankle, they were on the child's leg, that infant's leg toddler, uh well, he's not a toddler yet at that age. There were two blisters the size of my, each one the size of my hand. Uh and then from the ankle down, the bottom of the foot, the heel, the sole of the foot, the ball of the foot was absolutely raw. There was no skin at all. No blisters, no skin. And the doctor pointed the arm and said, that's third degree. He pointed the knee into the foot and he said, that's third degree. And then these blisters are second degree. And I'm, I'm telling you, Reverend, it's very likely that sometime next week, we're going to have to do skin grafts on these, on this baby. We're going to give it the weekend. We're not going to do it now. And the kid's screaming. He's still screaming. So the doctor put the bandages on him and I took him out of there. When he left that office, he stopped screaming, stopped crying at all. But when we got home, I said, let me have the baby. And I went up to the room that is normally the room I, the bedroom that I normally studied in and prayed in and I sat down in my recliner my rocker, excuse me. And I'm holding the baby in my lap. I said, "Now Lord, I didn't even know about this at all. I had no clue." And you prayed. You prayed through me for all of this. I didn't even know what I was praying for. And you said, Everything's going to be all right. Now, I'm going to wait here a moment so that you can tell me what everything, the word everything means to you, because unless you tell me what everything is, I'm going to tell you what my faith in what everything means. So I sat there for a few moments and just quietly spoke in tongues and prayed. And after a few minutes, I don't know how long it was, I said, okay, you didn't tell me, so I'm going to tell you now. What I believe everything's going to be all right means. No skin grafts, no scars. No skin grafts, no scars. Not just no skin grafts, but no scars. No deformities from scars. I have so much compassion for people that have gone through these kind of things and and they they have deforming scars. But the Lord said everything's going to be all right. So... I uh, I took him, I prayed and gave the Lord thanks for the promise and the fact that he prayed and I went downstairs. And so uh, he didn't cry Saturday. He didn't cry Sunday. On Sunday, both Sunday morning and night, Sunday night services, I told him again, we are not asking God to heal this baby. And I told him what I saw and I told him what I prayed on Friday. And I told him, I said, we are not going to ask God to, to deal with this. God's already said it's taken care of. Well, we had to go back into the office, doctor's office on Monday morning. And we went to the office and we walked in there. And, uh, he had not cried from the time we left that doctor's office to this moment. When he, when that child recognized that doctor's office, he started screaming his head off again. And again, I had to go back to the treatment room with him. And the doctor starts taking off the bandages as his eyes are getting bigger and bigger. And he said, very animated to me, what happened to this child? And I'm going, oh, God, I, I, I guess I'm in trouble. Uh, I said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. What, what's happened to this child? I said, what do you mean? He said, this child's almost completely healed. What's happened? And I told him, I said, we prayed. He said, well, I don't know about all that, but uh, this child's almost completely healed. He said, I'm not even going to put bandages back on him. Second and third degree burns, and in three days, no bandages? He said, do you have a white athletic sock? Well, this is 1981. Is there any male that doesn't have a white athletic sock? I said yes, sir. He said, "When you get home, just pull that athletic sock up over his foot, up on that leg, and just put loosely put a rubber band around it, to hold it in place. Because all this new skin, it, it's 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 scratching, it's itchy, and his fingernails, his child infant, in, or, or his, yeah, his child uh, baby fingernails are very sharp. And if he scratches it, he'll tear it." Now, today, on his leg, there's not one iota of evidence he was ever burned with second and third degree burns. The only thing God left behind was a slightly tan spot, just a little bit darker than the rest of his skin, that during the wintertime you don't notice, and during the summertime it becomes a little bit more noticeable. Just as the proof that this testimony is absolutely true. It's not a deformity. I don't even know if you'd call it a scar. It's just God's signature on a miracle. My friend, I know this video is gonna be this lesson's gonna be a little bit longer than the ones before it, and probably the ones after it. But I am saying to you that our God is able to pray through us and do things through us that we will never be able to do for ourselves, and we'll never be able to pray ourselves. I, I don't know. I would hope that I would, but I don't know that I would have had the faith to have prayed in English for those things. I was too emotionally involved. So the Spirit prayed in spite of the my role as a dad who loved his loves his children very much. The Lord just bypassed my humanity because I was a yielded conduit and he prayed for a need and produced a miracle. I'm saying to you today, all these things you don't know what to pray for as you ought. Let the Spirit pray. Let the Spirit pray. And don't be in a hurry to stop. You may take this however you want to, but I have learned how to flow in the Spirit in prayer, in tongues. So that I can actually pray on an airplane. If you're sitting next to me, you won't even know what I'm doing. I can walk through the mall and pray in prayer in tongues. I can lay in bed with my wife and pray and not disturb her in tongues. Because it's not the volume that I'm praying with. It's the yieldedness of allowing the spirit to say the words. Because speaking the words is God's plan. I've got to believe with the heart and confess with the mouth Speak in agreement with us. What the Greek words with, and speak those words and release that. Paul called that in Second Corinthians chapter four, verse thirteen, the spirit of faith. Let your prayer, your spirit of prayer, be the spirit of faith. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for you and I pray for me that we would receive according to Daniel chapter twelve, verse nine, the spirit of grace and the spirit of supplication, the spirit of prayer, that we might let the spirit of God help our infirmities and pray through us not only what we need to pray for according to the will of God, but also pray how he wants it prayed for. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.